Yeah, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jonah, and we'll be in Jonah chapter number four. If you look, there's only four chapters in Jonah, so the Lord willing, if you didn't come back before we finish, then we'll be done with we'll be done with Jonah tonight. And so, uh, anyway, uh, if you remember last time, Jonah had uh, walked the entire city of Nineveh. Remember, one scholar or one historian said that it was 27 miles wide, so he did a lot of walking. He was there for three days, and uh, he was telling the people, uh, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned, or it will be overthrown. It will be destroyed, and lo and behold, there was a miracle, and there was about a million people in Nineveh, and every single one of them repented of their evil ways and sackcloth and ashes, and they cried out mightily unto the Lord, and the Lord relented uh, of the judgment that he was about to pour out on this great city of Nineveh. Now, what should Jonah's reaction have been to this, you could call it some sort of revival, to this, to this repentance? I mean, this whole city was about to be destroyed. And now it wasn't going to be destroyed. So what should his action have been? I mean, he should have been jumping for joy. He should have been saying to himself, man, look at what a great blessing God has given me to save all of these people. But Jonah didn't see it that way. I mean, he hated the Ninevites. And I think at this point, I think in some degree, he hated God for who God was. Maybe he loved God in in one sense, but he hated him in another sense. And and so... uh, he wasn't happy. Look at verse number one of chapter four. It says, but it displeased Jonah a little bit. No, exceedingly. And he became, and really a better translation is he became very angry. I mean, he wasn't just displeased. He was greatly displeased. He wasn't just angry. He was greatly angry. It made him sick to his stomach that these people had repented and God had spared these people. I mean, he was mad. So really, Jonah's right back where he started. I mean, where was he at when we started this little book? I mean, he was mad at God. He was, and, and I'll ask that question right there. Who's he mad at here? When it says he's very angry, who's he mad at? He's not mad at the Ninevites. That's, I mean, he's mad at God for saving the Ninevites. So he's really come full circle, and he's exactly right back where he was when he started because what made him grab that boat to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh, it was the fact he was angry with God. And so uh, he's, he, he's you know, hell-bent on doing things his way, and it cost him. I mean, you think he would have learned his lesson. I mean, he was in this storm, and he almost drowned in the storm, and then the crew threw him overboard, and he was swallowed by a well, and he was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, and he was spit out on dry land, and he said, Lord, I surrender. But he really hadn't surrendered. Remember I told you when we came to that passage, Jonah really hadn't surrendered at that point. And God will take us through things, and we'll swear, Lord, that's it. I'll never do it again. Uh, I've learned my lesson. You know, I'm I'm never going to do anything without talking to you first. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to, you know, I've got this, I mean, I'm never going to do anything compulsive or irrational, or I'm not going to get angry with you, none of these things. And we say all of these things, and then when things settle down, 
and things aren't so bad anymore, then we go right back to our old ways. And, and uh, you know, that's where you see the mercy of God. I mean, again, I said last week, if I were God, I would have just wiped Jonah out at this point. But if I was God, I would have wiped myself out a long time ago. So, so uh, God is so merciful with him. I mean, it's not healthy to bow up with God. But here's Jonah, and he's bowing up with God. I mean, listen, listen to his prayer. Listen to this prayer he prays in verse number 2. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was in my own country? Isn't that exactly what I said? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know he knew the Lord now. He knew the Lord. But some people say Jonah did all these things because he didn't know the Lord. No, he knew the Lord. He just didn't like the Lord in some ways. I mean, if you put it, look at this honestly, he really had a problem with the Lord. You ever have a problem with the Lord? Well, if you're honest, probably sometimes you do. Does the Lord do everything the way you want him to do all the time? No. No, and when it really hurts and it really stings, then if we're honest with ourselves, we get kind of bowed up with the Lord. Yeah, but Jonah was right. He says, Lord, you are gracious, and you are a merciful God. You are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. You're one who doesn't want to do harm. If, you, if there's any way possible that you can relent from doing harm, you're going to do it. God wishes that none should perish. You remember when when John and James said, man, send fire down on the Samaritans, remember what Jesus said? He said, man, you don't know what spirit you're, you're of. I didn't come here to destroy the world. I came to save the world. That's the spirit of God. And that's the spirit that we should have. And, and, uh, but Jonah was saying to the Lord, Lord, you're too nice of a guy. As far as I'm concerned, you're too nice of a guy. You know, it's funny how Jonah liked the Lord as long as the Lord was doing things for him, as long as, as long as the Lord was being merciful to him, as long as the Lord was abundant in love and kindness toward him, he loved the Lord. But when he did those things for his enemies, I mean, Jonah was ticked. And I think we're a lot alike that sometimes. I mean, we're glad when God does good things for us. But uh, when he shows his abundant love for those people we hate, uh, you know, we don't want to see that. We want to see him fry in hell, and God's being kind to him, and we can't stand that. Yeah, I remember somebody telling me, I had several people telling me back when we had a recent president, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to name his name, but they told me how they were praying for that president. And I remember saying to myself, I'm not praying for that president. That president has done everything he could to destroy this country. He's done everything... Everything he does is evil. It's antichrist. I just can't bring myself to praying for that man. And this text reminds me that that's a pretty sorry attitude, isn't it? I mean, you got a sorry pastor with a sorry attitude. At times you do, and let me tell you. I mean, but, I, you know, if God could save the Ninevites, you think maybe he could save this particular president that I wouldn't pray for him? He could. So really, you know, I should have been praying for this man. I mean, I, don't, I still don't think he's ever going to get saved. 
I'm not trying to tell you who it is. I don't think he's ever going to get saved, but, but uh, maybe I should be praying for him. Wouldn't that be, you know what? Here's where I'm different from Jonah. If that man had gotten saved, if he had truly gotten saved, I wouldn't have been mad at God at all. I would have rejoiced in the fact that that man got saved because that would have been good for me. It would have been good for our nation, and it would have been really good for him. I mean, there's some certain people you really want to like. You really want to like, but they're so evil you can't like them. And, and if they do get turned around, if they do get saved, then that's, that's a real blessing. And so I think I am different than Jonah in that sense. But, that, but the attitude's still there, and we need to be careful with that attitude. Uh, but here was Jonah. He didn't care if these Ninevites were spared, and uh, it made him so miserable that he wanted to die. He, look at verse number three. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I'm almost always amazed at these great prophets of God who have these mountaintop experiences. I mean, here he led this revival, and a million people get spared from his preaching, and man, he ought to be on cloud nine. And where is he at? He wants to die. You remember Elijah when he was on Mount Carmel and he had that great victory on Mount Carmel. I mean, he's fighting 600 prophets of Baal. The whole army of Israel could have taken him at any point and, and killed him. And, they, and Jezebel and Ahab wanted him dead. So, so, but they're backed off as, as God's demonstrating his power. And, and he has this great victory. And then Jezebel says, hey, if, if you're still alive tomorrow, then so, you know, if you're not dead by the bar, then so be it to me. I mean, I want you dead, and you're going to be dead. And what did Elijah do? He didn't say, tough, you can't touch me. I, I know the Lord. The Lord will send fire down and strike you dead. He had seen him do that to armies. I mean, to, to all sorts of people. But that particular case, in that particular case, he ran. He was so fed. He, I think he thought maybe the nation of Israel was going to stand up and protect him, and they didn't. They just went back to their farms and doing their thing, and and all of that hard work he had done was not, and he was, he, it really upset him, and he ran as far as he could, as fast as he could, until he passed out under a juniper tree. And what did he say? I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. This great man of God, I wish I was dead. And here's Jonah. Now, Jonah's not near as great as Elijah in certain respect, respects, but, but here he is. He, in this fit of pity, he asked God to take his life. I mean, he, please take my life. You know what gives you the courage to make that prayer? You really know God, and you really know he's not going to take your life. I mean, I think if Jonah really thought God would take his life, I don't think he would have been praying that. If you've ever prayed, Lord, I just wish I was dead, you really don't mean that. I can tell you that right now. You really don't mean that. And if you really ask the Lord, you really thought the Lord would take you as soon as you said that, you probably wouldn't be praying that. And, and here's why, again, why you love the Lord so much. He doesn't answer that prayer. He could have said, okay, Jonah, you want to die? I'm fed up with you. You're out of here. You're dead. I'm going to send you back down to Hades. I mean, he'd been down to Hades is, is, is the way that text looked in chapter 2. I mean, it looked like he went all the way down into Hades. And, and, and uh, God could have sent him right back there, but he didn't. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he reaches out to Jonah, and uh, he wants to help him. He wants to get Jonah to examine himself, to look at his heart, 
and to see how desperately wicked he really is and, and to repent from that kind of attitude. And so the Lord very gently says to, to Jonah in verse number four, the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? What's the answer to that? No, it's not right for you to be angry. Uh, Jonah had no right to be angry because God had shown mercy on, on this people of Nineveh. He had no right to be angry. But Jonah's still pouting. And, and so, you know, instead of uh, having a diatribe with the Lord, now you got the Lord speaking with you, man. You would think you'd want to sit there and talk to him all day long. But he's mad. He's pouting. And so Jonah went out of the city. Watch what he does. He sits on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter under the shade till, till he might see what would become of the city. Now, what was he hoping would become of the city? He figured that these Ninevites had just, out of fear, made this repentance, and as soon as the fear abated, they were going to go right back to their wicked ways, and then God was going to have to judge them. And so he didn't think it would take that long, and so he built him a little shelter out up on a hill on the east side of the city, looking down upon the city, waiting for fire and brimstone to come down from heaven. That's pretty evil, isn't it, if you think about it? That's pretty, pretty, pretty sick of him to be doing that. And what does God do? I mean, here's Jonah. He's out in the desert. It's hot. It's going to get hotter. But he's out in the desert. And you think God would just, you know, just somehow punish him really bad. But what does God do? He sends Jonah a blessing. Look at the next verse. It says, and the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. You know, a lot of people struggle with the miracle of the God preparing a fish, a great fish big enough to swallow a man. But it's just as miraculous for you to be sitting in a shelter and all of a sudden this vine suddenly grows in one day and shelters your head. That's that's, that's just as miraculous. So if you want to argue about the miracles, you can argue about all these miracles that are about to take place. So God prepared a plant. It's a blessing for Jonah. And he made it come up over Jonah that it might shade his head and deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was grateful for the plant. He said, Lord, thank you for the plant. Now, why was he so grateful for the plant? Because he's feeling pretty good right now. He's feeling that maybe the Lord is getting his message and maybe the Lord's coming around. And here's the Lord. He's blessing him and, and he performs this miracle for him. Uh, I mean, uh, the same God that prepared the fish prepares his plant to give him shade. And, and uh, that said to Jonah, hey, the Lord, the Lord still loves me. The Lord still uh, is speaking to me. I mean, the Lord is still protecting me. He still wants me to be comforted. He's blessing me. I mean, all of this sounds really good to Jonah or looks really good to Jonah, and all of it was true. I mean, but why was God blessing him? You know, God blesses us to maybe change our attitude, to be grateful for what we have, to look out upon a world that has less than us, that maybe all those people in Nineveh didn't have that kind of relationship with the Lord. And Jonah said, man, this is really good. I mean, what a great God I serve. Here I am with, with this wicked heart, and I'm looking out over the city wanting God to destroy him. And what does God, the, this gracious, loving God, full of mercy do for me? He, he makes a plant for me that gives me shade. 
And so I'm, that's not the way Jonah saw it. Jonah's come to the conclusion that God is seeing things now his way. Not, not that uh, uh, instead of Jonah seeing things God's way, Jonah thinks maybe God is seeing things his way. God's come around. And the Lord's not going to put up with that attitude, so look at verse number 7. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. So it damaged the plant that it withered. Then, And it happened when the sun arose, hey, he took the plant away, and then he sends an east wind. Now, when you got a 100-degree temperature and you get a 30-mile-per-hour wind, it's like standing in front of a heater. And so he gets this east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's, Jonah's head, and this hot wind is blowing on him so that he grew faint, and he was about to pass out. And then he, what does he do? He doesn't call upon the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, bring the plant back. Uh, I've learned my lesson. No, he says, you know what, Lord? I want to die. It is better for me to die than to live. Now, look at all God had done. God had prepared a whale or a fish to swallow Jonah. He had prepared a plant to comfort Jonah. He had kept him alive three days and three nights in the belly of a well or revived him from the dead, depending on how you interpret that passage. He prepared a worm to eat the plant, and he prepared a wind to make Jonah faint, to make him uh, sweat, make him hot. He did all of those things. The same Lord. I mean... We love the Lord when he prepares things we like, like plants to give us shade, like money in the bank account, like all sorts of goodies. We, we love the Lord when he does that. But he also prepares the worms. And he also prepares the fish. He also prepares those hot winds that beat against our soul. He prepares all of those things. And you know how God sees all of those things? Every single one of them as blessings. Jonah was a blessed man. Jonah deserved to be in hell more than the Ninevites did. They were wicked, a wicked moral people. At least they had humbled themselves before God. Jonah had not done that yet. And yet God is still dealing with him with blessings in disguise. I mean, the, he saw the, the vine as a blessing. But these other things were blessings too. The fact that God was patient with Jonah and he was dealing with Jonah and he was trying to get Jonah to have the, the right attitude. And so, listen to what Jonah says. He wishes he was dead again. That's three times, verse number nine. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Then I want you to think about this. Who gave you that plant? The Lord says, I gave you that plant. And you pity this little plant that I gave you, and you love this little plant that I gave you, and yet you hate the rest of my creation. You're so proud and so self-righteous and so self-centered that you can love a plant, but you can hate a people. And he says, is it right? Is it, and then Jonah replied to him, to the Lord, he says, is it right for me to be angry? You better believe it is, even unto death. Man, he's got, you gotta, he's got a lot of nerve. You got to give him credit. At least he's honest. He's expressing his feelings with the Lord. 
In his mind, he thought that the Lord had treated him unjustly. Now, you know, again, I think there's some deep-rooted problems here. I think maybe the Assyrians had gone in and they'd killed his family, and he just couldn't forgive them. And, and, and so he wanted them dead. He wanted them to suffer the way he had suffered. And, and God's trying to show him that, you know, these people in some way are, are no more evil than you are. And uh, so he, the God says to him, is it right for you to be angry about this plan? You know, I don't know about you, but there's times when I question the way the Lord's treating me. You know, that's why I admired Job so much when he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, he gives blessings and he takes away blessings, but, the, but all of it's for your good. All of it's for the glory, to the glory of God. All of it's for our good. And by faith, we have to believe that when the good things come and, and what we deem bad things come, they're still all good things in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is working eternal value in our souls, eternal worth for our, in our souls. And everything he does, we know from Romans 8, that everything he does is for our good. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now listen to how tenderly the Lord deals with this problem in Jonah's heart. Said the Lord, the Lord said to him, Jonah, you had pity on the plant. This plant that you didn't labor for, you didn't make it grow. It came up during the night and it perished. It was just a plant. And you have pity on this plant. I mean, you rejoiced when you when I made the plant for you. And when I took the plant away, you had pity on it. And, and it, you didn't do anything to make that plant. Why do you, are you so hard on everybody else? If you can have pity on a plant, can't you have pity on little children that you want me to destroy? Look at, look at he, he, he tries to take his focus now off of those people who maybe hurt his family or hurt him. And look at some of the innocent that would be destroyed if Jonah got his way. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, and I should not pity, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? And listen to the way the Lord sees it, in which there are more than 120,000 persons, little, little kids who aren't old enough to discern between their right hand and their left. Should I just destroy them to appease your appetite for revenge? What's the answer to that? No. Not only that. You know, people say God doesn't care for the animals. Yes, God cares for the animals. A sparrow doesn't fall. God doesn't know it. The lesson in that is that God cares for the sparrows. I mean, how much more important is a human soul, God says, in that context. But he's, he's not saying that the sparrows aren't important to him. They're very important to him. One doesn't fall to the ground that, that God doesn't hurt over that. 
And Jonah didn't care if all the livestock was slaughtered. He didn't care if all these little children were slaughtered. All he cared about was satisfying his taste for for revenge. You know, we don't know for sure what happened to Jonah after this. We don't find him anywhere else in the Bible. But I have no doubt Jonah wrote this little book. If he didn't write it, he gave it to a son or to someone very, very close. I have a strong hunch that he wrote this book because there's such an intimacy spoken of between him and God in this book. There are details of this book that only Jonah could reveal. And so I have a strong feeling that he wrote this book. And if he wrote this book, I've got to believe that at some point he repented. At some point he realized what a prideful, selfish fool he had been. And he lays this out for all of us to see. What's the message of this book? The message of this book that God is full of grace and full of mercy and full of kindness, and he wants us to be like that too. And Jonah was so stubborn in his ways, in his hate for other people, in in his hate for what he considered lost people. And God didn't want him to have that heart. God wanted him to show him how wicked his heart was. He wanted him to have a heart for even the Ninevites, the people who had caused him so much harm. He wanted him to love his enemies. You know, I said last week, I doubt very seriously, if that whole city got saved, they got spared. But maybe some of them were saved. But God wishes that none should perish, and even if, even if they all ended up in hell, God didn't want them in hell. And God was going to give them every opportunity, no matter what they had done, to get saved. Just like he gives us every opportunity, no matter what we've done to get saved. And he's abundant in loving kindness. He's abundant in forgiveness. And that's the way he wants us to be. And you know what? Ultimately, that's a choice. That's a choice we make. We make a choice to pray for those we don't like. We make a choice to pray for the lost. We make a choice to be kind to those we don't like. And whenever we're making that choice, because we think, man, they don't deserve my kindness. They don't deserve God's kindness. We forget where God has brought us from. We forget how much mercy he's shown us. And that's pride. And that's arrogance. And God doesn't like that in us. And so if you want to have more of the plants than the worms and the fish and all of that kind of stuff, get on board with God's plan. We need, to, we need to pray for those who persecute us. We need to pray for our enemies. We need to pray for the lost. We need to be kind to everybody we come across. That's what God wants for all of us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the great lesson here in the book of Jonah and, and uh, just how kind you are in, in, in dealing with a lost nation and in dealing with a lost prophet. 
Lord, you're so patient with us all, and none of us deserve the goodness that you've shown us. And so, Lord, help us to help us to be kind people, to be loving like you are, Lord. Help, and we can't do that in the flesh. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to, to love others as, as you want us to love. So, so, Lord, give us that power. Give us that grace. Give us that heart of forgiveness, that heart of kindness, that heart of mercy, that heart of love. We just ask for that through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.